Welcome to Bloom, the podcast where mums share their unfiltered birth experiences. We hope that by listening to their stories, you feel empowered and inspired wherever you are on your own journey. Welcome to Bloom. In today's episode, Jenny and I discuss a surprisingly simple conception after some initial infertility fears and three rounds of egg freezing. Jenny talks about her reasons for choosing a home birth and how to cope when the plan doesn't unfold as you imagined it would. Her partner wasn't able to join her in the ambulance for the emergency transfer to hospital, but upon arriving at the hospital, Jenny's daughter was born within 20 minutes and she found the hospital team of midwives provided her incredible support. Breastfeeding wasn't straightforward to begin with, but Jenny powered through the initial struggles to reach the point where she fed her daughter for two and a half years. Jenny's daughter was also born at the same time as a second baby, her business, and we unpack some of the challenges and coping mechanisms that have been useful while navigating the journey to motherhood and self-employment at the same time. Welcome to the podcast. It's really lovely to have you with us. How are you doing this morning? Have you had a busy morning so far? Yeah, really good. Thank you. No, yeah, it's been nice. My daughter woke oh, up at wow. five, so I'm a little bit more tired than normal, but we're going Amazing. on holiday Where are you tomorrow, going? so I'm very excited. <laughs> we're going to Tenerife for a week in the sun. Oh, lovely. I know. I'm so excited, and it's literally my first holiday in nearly a year, so it feels very deserved. <laughs> yeah, I've been dreaming of a summer holiday like that. It's nice to do it out of season as well while you can. Yeah, not too hot for the little one, which is good. Yeah. Okay, so let's um, do our standard intros. So we always start with a little introduction. If you could tell everyone your name, your age, where you're from, what you do in life, and who is in your family. My God, I've got to remember all those things. So <laughs> my name is Jennifer. Um, I am 35. Um, I am a mummy. So I've got a two and a half year old daughter called Mabel. And I'm a business strategy coach, which I set up that business after I had my daughter when she was about nine months old. So um, me. yeah, the important people in my life are Ben, who's my husband. We've been married a year. I've been together four. And my mum, who comes and stays with us every week to help me basically build my business whilst I've got a daughter. So yeah, and brother and all that sort of stuff. And a cat, Penny. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. So congratulations on your business. I didn't realise that you'd launched that post your daughter being born. Yes, it's actually my second business. So I built and sold my first business, which was in the care sector over a period of four years and it was a really it's still going it was a really wonderful and successful business and we won multiple awards however when I had my daughter lots of things changed obviously there was COVID and yeah just felt like I needed to do something else mm. so that's where my business was born amazing and so do you coach um small businesses or what's the kind of scope yes absolutely I mean I can help most businesses, I would say, I would like to think, but generally speaking, what I love doing, yeah, is helping people in in the small business world, yeah. So they might be in the first kind of five years of their business, sometimes their parents. So I work with both male and females. Yeah, sometimes their parents and they've kind of just got that that juggle going on and there's lots to think about. So I help people actually build a plan for their business. So a lot of businesses just oh, we are just winging it a lot of the mm-hmm. time. So I help people create that plan, write that plan down and work the plan. Amazing. Yeah, it sounds like you've got a really solid support network as well in place, which I guess must be essential when you've got all that going on. Yeah, definitely, definitely helps. And me and my husband are both self-employed. So there are the highs and lows of that because you obviously don't know where your next six months income necessarily is coming from but equally you do have a lot of flexibility and we're both very present Mm. for our daughter which is lovely yeah but I used to work in London I used to commute five days a week from Essex into London and I just couldn't do that 
with my daughter. I know people do do that and it's absolutely fine. But for me, it was just important to be around as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to make it work for you. Um, so yeah. can I ask you about kind of what you, when you were younger, growing up, what your view of motherhood was like and what you thought it was going to be like for you? Did you always imagine you'd be a mum or was it something that kind of took you a bit more by surprise? That is such a wonderful question to be asked. (laughs) I've never really thought about it but (laughs) yes I absolutely thought I would be a mum by the time I was 27 and I'd have two kids and it would be a boy and a girl because and there'd be a really small age gap because my mum had me when I was she was 25 my brother when she was 23 and I was like 27 is a little bit older but you know things have changed. I was 33 before I had Mabel. I was single at 30, having just left what was a really difficult relationship. Um, And I thought I had very low fertility. So I actually had three rounds of egg egg freezing therapy. So I got my eggs frozen. Yeah. And I was single and I was like, I'm never going to meet someone and fall in love. My brother and his wife I just really like lovey-dovey and such a wonderful couple and they just had their first child and I was like I just want to have kids the same time as my brother because we're really close Mm. and somehow I then met Ben like three months later and yeah we we fell in love had and had Mabel within about seven months I got pregnant so goodness me I think yeah my view on motherhood was absolutely it was something I really wanted to have in my life it was always meant to happen but I was really scared Mm. that it would never happen for me yeah and so going back to the time before you'd met your husband now what um what led you to discover that you had fertility issues so I left the relationship that I was in at the time and I just had this really bad feeling I had this like intuitive feeling that I was gosh infertile so I went and got some tests done okay. and when I got them done, unfortunately, they said that for my age, which was like 30 at the time, my fertility was really poor. And they said, if you have one round, you're not really going to get enough eggs to make it worth your while. So I had to have the three rounds, okay. which was quite traumatic. I remember I was dating at the time and I had all these injection drugs in my fridge and like I had a guy around and we were like drinking beers and I was like, don't go in my fridge because there's like these drugs that I've got to pump into my tummy every day it was so embarrassing (laughs) yeah that's got to be textbook not first date worthy chat hasn't it (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean do you want to hang out I'm yeah trying to make sure I can have a baby someday but you know (laughs) I decided that if I had never if I hadn't had a baby or met someone or anything by the time I was 35 I would have gone through that fertility treatment on my own and had had a baby on my own Mm. um so yeah, so it was it was a weird time and a hard time, but um, it all happens for a reason, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, when you when you were going through that treatment, did you did do you think that going into a relationship? It sounds like with your now partner, things moved fairly quickly. But how much of a factor was that in your conception journey the second time round? We did you give yourself a certain amount of time to try for a child with him or was it was it even a thing that you were trying for we we just kind of it was so so this is why I think when you meet someone and you fall in love and it is true love like it just felt like for me that it was just magical that we we got pregnant so easily we we hadn't really started trying Okay. We sort of did, and then we freaked out a bit and decided to stop because we'd only been together six months. But we yeah. just everything felt right. We moved in together, and then yeah, we went on holiday. We went to Switzerland, and um, we were up in the mountains. And my friend had said to me because I was late on my period, she was like, "You, you might be pregnant." And my boobs were sore, and I was like, "No, I'm not. I'm just late. Sometimes I am, and it's fine." And then we got. I must have spent 30 pounds on pregnancy tests because I kept doing them wrong. I kept like peeing on the stick wrong and doing things wrong with these blooming tests. And then was like, no, that's not, that's not right. That's a void result. So basically, oh my goodness, the third time round, I had to do one in the middle of the night because I did one at like 2am because you're meant to do it in the morning if you can, because it's like the strongest hormone. So I had to try and go to sleep. And then I woke up at like 2am and I did it and it was positive. So I was waking up Ben and saying, 
we're pregnant. He was like, I don't care. Aww. I already knew we were. And how did you feel? Because that, like, despite everything feeling right and really good in your relationship, that must have been a hugely emotional realisation after those years of thinking that you were going to struggle. It was so weird. I was, I mean, my mum helped me financially to do the eggs freezing because it was like tens of thousands of pounds. Wow. And she was like, well, that was a big waste of money, wasn't it? <laughs> and I, was like, I felt a bit bad about that. <laughs> Without even talking about all the pregnancy tests you've gone through. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. I needed to, I actually needed to read the instructions before I did them. Um, I'd never done one before, to be fair. So, yeah, I, I was... I was genuinely over the moon. I was in shock, but I was in this like state of just bliss and just quiet confidence, I mm. guess, because I just felt like it was all meant to be. Um, but yeah, I was genuinely shocked. I was like, how how could I have got pregnant at 30, like around 33, when I'd been told that my fertility was so low at 30? Like, it doesn't make sense. And I know when it comes to fertility, it's not it's not it's a bit of science and it's a bit of art you can't say for sure yeah but yeah it was it was quite shocking as well mm. and how did your first trimester go so you said that you were quietly confident were your symptoms severe or were you kind of just able to relax into it and enjoy it they were okay I <laughs> I was like, what is this all about morning sickness? I've got sickness in the evening. Mm. My sickness was always at night. It wasn't in the morning, really. And I was like, why is it called that? So that was a bit strange. And unfortunately, I suffer with, I don't like that word, but I suffer with migraines. And there was the odd occasion. I was actually laughing about this with my mum yesterday. I had my business at the time and we had a care business. And one of the client's daughters had come to visit us in the office. And I was basically like in the office and she was at the door talking to us all and I felt so like I was going to be sick and I didn't know what to do because this lovely client was in the office and I ended up having to run to the toilet and I was so violently sick it was unreal because mm. I because with migraines what often happens with me is I get myself in a state where I end up vomiting so I think it was like the migraine vomit and the <laughs> morning sickness vomit all in one go so yeah that was that's one of the memories, one of the worst memories. But generally, I'd say it was manageable. It was okay, the first trimester. Mm-hmm. That's good. I feel like um, that was a gift on top of the of the easy conception that you were able to enjoy your first trimester because had it been really difficult, I think that can be a very difficult mental dimension for a lot of women to... Oh have to then battle with this thing that they've hoped for for so long, but it's actually like making them feel really, really ill all the time. It just doesn't make sense, does it? Like, why do you feel so sick when it's your, it's such a natural thing to have a child? What mm. I do remember is my sickness lasted till 20 weeks. Okay. So although it wasn't horrific, everyone was like, yeah, it'll go in the first three months. I was like, um, mine's still here. And I think it went around 19 and 20 weeks for me personally, which was felt like a long time. But yeah. especially when you have the sort of 12 week milestone in your head. And so you're kind of, I, I feel like that's something to aim for, for, for a lot of women. And then when every week or day past yeah. that point, you're like, hold on a second, this isn't part of the, the first trimester deal. <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> exactly exactly this the scan was like one of the most magical moments like mm. I still remember it to this day like which one was that the 12 week one yeah because me and Ben went together like we were holding hands and I, I think actually going back to your question earlier I didn't believe it properly until I saw that scan and I was really mm. quite tearful and emotional in that scan I was like oh my goodness there's actually a baby in my tummy and mm. Yeah, it was quite something. How was how was Ben dealing with it all during the the early stages? Good, I think. I tell you what we did, which was a brilliant thing. We went on holiday in the February. I got pregnant around the October, so I was about five months or so, maybe mm-hmm. then. January, February, four months. It was the best thing we did. It was so wonderful just to have a week. We actually went to the Canary Islands and. We just had, he was drinking loads of beers every because we went all inclusive. He was drinking all the beers. <laughs> I was just eating all the food. 
and we had a lovely holiday and it was really special actually for us he was he was excited so he is 49 this year so he was 45 when he, we had Mabel mm-hmm. something like that yeah a bit older than so me. he's a lot 13 years older than me I think mm-hmm. um I always take the mickey out of him to being an old man but for him equally he'd he'd been dating people that had got kids mm. so he decided he was like, I'm not gonna have kids now he really wanted to but he was like I'm 45 I haven't met someone yet yeah when I met him, I literally couldn't believe he was single and not got any baggage, not got any kids himself or not been divorced or, but anyway, he was, I think he was just so over the moon, but he's quite a chilled out, laid back kind of guy. So he wasn't particularly like me, like really excitable, but um, yeah, he was secretly really, really happy about it. So what about you? Did you have, a, a, among your friends, were many of them mums already? And did you have many people you could go to for advice and help? Yeah, that's quite an interesting question. So my two closest friends both have had already got two kids and now their kids are like school age. So um, like four and seven or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I was kind of a bit later to the table than a lot of my friends. A few of my friends have got kids similar-ish ages and my brother's kids are just one and two years older than Mabel. So that's really worked out quite nicely. So my brother's someone... And my mum, definitely, that I got lots of advice from. And then my friends as well. Mm. Um, But we live in Colchester in Essex. So we live in a, that's where my husband's from. So I moved here to be with him. I am from Essex, but South Essex. So for me, it's been a lot about trying to build up new friendship groups and meet new people because I didn't really have much of a network or, or friendship circle here. Yeah, yeah. Which is always hard when you're having a baby. Absolutely. It's that. And then it's also processing sometimes just to have a trusted group of people that help you cut through all the noise on all the information that you're trying to process on pregnancy and those sort of seemingly small decisions, but that are actually, when it's the first time you're going through it, you feel like a real burden to figure out the the right answer to them all yeah I feel like I would have loved a pregnancy best buddy whilst I was pregnant or like a pregnancy coach or something like that which I know you can you can do Mm. um yeah I didn't I don't and equally with parenting I don't really like to know too much I, I like to just have my own journey and and kind of enjoy the journey and go with the flow of it Mm, I mean yeah that's amazing if you if you're able to to lean into that I suppose what um, I wanted to ask you what your kind of outlook on the birth was and how like you say you wanted to kind of go with the flow but were there any other guiding principles that you had and how how were you kind of hoping that your birth would go so um I wanted a home birth and that was kind of driven by COVID because I mm-hmm. originally wanted the water birth in the birthing centre in the Colchester Hospital, which I know is an aspiration for a lot of people. Um, but when COVID was happening, I kind of did a bit of a risk analysis and spoke to Ben yeah. and we talked about it and we decided that getting a water pool at home would be what we felt was safest for us during that time. So that's what we did um how like how did you I'm interested how you decided on the water birth thing where was your where were you getting your convictions for that from it's a really good question I really so I was born at home my mum gave birth to me at home so I just had after when I learned that and like from since I've known that since I was a child I've always kind of had this thing that I wanted to have a baby at home like I wanted to give birth to my baby at home Mm. and then I felt like water would be a way to make it a lot more enjoyable experience okay um, and I've had lots of lots of my friends have used water births or have tried to go for water births and have said that they're really nice okay. and my sister-in-law as well so I think I just had people around me that had had relatively positive experiences okay. with that however I was very aware that you might have a plan and those plans don't necessarily come to fruition, which was the case for us. What, what happened in your case in terms of getting ready for the home birth? Did they tell you that you 
did you get signed off immediately as being low risk enough that that was going to be fine or did they give you like a cutoff point no they told me it would be fine um they were happy with that I, I something I had throughout my pregnancy was my tummy was quite small and they they were a little bit concerned about the size of the baby towards the end so I had an extra scam but that was all fine and this was tricky because it was covid I couldn't have been at the appointment so I'd come back for an appointment he'd be like so what did they say is it all good now and I was like I didn't ask them that <laughs> so that was like a weird a weird experience mm. um so you bought did you did you have to invest in the pool that you had at home we did we looked at hiring them and we looked at buying them and it wasn't that much more money to buy them and we were like well we probably would like to have another one if possible one day yeah. and actually my cousin borrowed my pool um you have to get I think you have to get a new liner for it but she borrowed the pool okay um so yeah we invested in that and I'm not gonna lie it was quite a lot of hard work for Ben because it was all about maintaining the temperature and he was getting really stressed because he was like no don't lean on it because the water's gonna come out <laughs> And I was like, I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> so but okay, so you had you had the green light from the midwives that were following you. And did you know who would who would come to the house when you were in labour? Or was it just going to be a case of you calling up the hospital and then they'd send someone? It was the latter. Yeah, it was literally like depending on the day that it happens, they'll just you'll they'll come around check you if it's all go then yeah then they'll get that person to stay or whoever's on the sh- the next okay. shift and I started feeling that the stuff happening on the Monday morning but she didn't actually come till the Wednesday night so um it felt like it was quite a long process yeah. how but just before we get onto the um, like the labor thing what what was the kind of the latter stages of your pregnancy like you mentioned there was the thing about the size of the baby yeah. but were you generally finding that you enjoyed all of the changes your body was going through and all of that? I loved the second trimester. Mm -hmm. Really, really loved it. Um, I felt really good, felt really positive and really happy. And actually it was a summer when the weather was so, so lovely. The third trimester I enjoyed because we did have lovely, lovely weather, but towards the end I did get quite tired Mm -hmm. Um. And back aches in weird places, and like, but something I did try to throughout my pregnancy because, again, not to keep going on about it, but it was lockdown for a lot of my pregnancy. I was part of this group called Together We Thrive, which my sister in law set up, and we used to do at 9 30 every morning, like a half an hour Pilates or dance workout or like a Joe Wicks type thing that I was on during lockdown. Mm. So I feel like that was a really positive thing that kept me, my mental health quite good yeah. and my physical health quite good throughout the pregnancy. So that was, that was really nice. Mm. Did you, did you do any like formal prep class or anything like that? I did hypnobirthing through Colchester Hospital. Okay. Um, it was like a free offering. And I think next time I would like to do like, invest in something to learn a bit more about it Mm -hmm. because I feel like I didn't particularly use it that well (laughs) yeah okay but that might have just been and was that because you you I don't actually know if there's a scenario where you're able to have more pain relief than like a paracetamol and a home birth can you have gas and air at home you can have gas and air yes that's what I had a lot okay (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so hypnobirthing was like a way for you to um to to manage the pain without without pain relief yeah I used a TENS machine as well actually at the start but I mean it was a bit of a strange sensation but it it did seem to help a bit Mm, okay I didn't want to have any intervention in my like to encourage the baby to come and part of the reason for that was because I was two weeks late when I was born and I just had this feel. actually I think I was four weeks late but anyway I was very late my mum did say she got her dates very confused but she, I was definitely quite late my brother was two weeks I think and I was more than that okay um so I just knew because these things from what I understand can be hereditary yeah. I knew that May was going to be late and they really wanted to put me in for an induction and I really didn't want to have that so i 
they did book me in for one, but I knew that I was going to refuse it but because that was important to me. Mm. But she actually came on the day that the induction was due. So she was 11 days late. And I will say that was the hardest 11 days <laughs> of my life because I was so you've kind of got a, a, extra anxiety over the prospect of making that decision because it is a really difficult decision and you've got to do whatever's right for you. But, yeah, that that was something that I think was a big part, a really important part to me, but also quite a challenging part for me. Mm, yeah. And is the, the fact that they had to book you in for it, is that like a protocol thing, even if you know you don't it want to? It seemed to be. It seemed to be, and they did say you can refuse it. Um, and they did talk about your doctor will tell you the risks, which obviously made me feel very concerned or nervous because to talk to a medical professional and try and try and kind of challenge their opinion is is difficult at the best of times. And with COVID, often you had to be on your own for some of the appointments. So mm. luckily, it literally didn't have to happen because... Yeah. Um, she came on that day which was nice Mm. but and it's a good point about your mum I don't know that many many women know that information like I don't know that my mum has retained her due date or like her where I was born in relation to that but that as you say is such a useful data point to inform you probably more useful than anything you can access in a in a book exactly exactly and that's when I mean like going with the flow knowing your body and how you feel like I knew that I'd had a really on the whole good pregnancy and it was a healthy baby as far as I knew and I was confident so Mm. I just had to trust my intuition with that and I do think as a mum that is a really important thing is to trust your intuition but it's easier said than done when you've got other influences yeah absolutely so okay so you're on day 11 post your estimated due date and did you feel the first signs of labour before that appointment that you were supposed to go to? Yes. Yes. So the day 11 was the Wednesday. It was the Monday morning I woke up and I started to feel things happen. Okay. Um, but clearly it was very early stages. It wasn't severe contractions or anything because it took another couple of days for it to come. Okay. But my mum came up on the Tuesday morning because I also this is this is ridiculous but I was born on a Tuesday and on the Tuesday I was like she's gonna come today I know it by the way I didn't know it was a girl I didn't we didn't find out the gender so um but I was convinced it was a girl um but yeah I thought it would come on the Tuesday it still didn't happen but my mum came up all all ready to look after and stay with us for a week to help us Mm. she's still not come on the Wednesday morning I felt so bad I was like sorry mum I (laughs) dragged you up here and you've got no babies for you to have cuddle with um but what so what were the feelings the that you were having was it the beginnings of contractions or was there anything else happening yeah it was it was just beginnings of contractions but they weren't regular enough or I guess intense enough I had a few baths and I was up in the middle like I was up in the middle of the nights just feeling really uncomfortable mm-hmm. um was it how you expected it so to yeah feel? oh I so hard to say it's so difficult when you you literally have no idea what the feelings are do you you literally don't know what you're meant to feel Mm. um I guess so but you just don't know so and how were you feeling emotionally were you feeling ready and up for it or was there any apprehension I'm sure there was some but what was the overriding emotion I was really excited I was a little bit nervous and I think I was nervous about like can I can I give birth to a baby like have I have I got the ability to do that because I've never done it before like we we build confidence when we've done something and we know we can do something and with with that I had no idea I worked with um a ther- my therapist she's incredible and I had a few sessions with her towards the end of my pregnancy just to help me feel confident and one of the things I was very nervous about was the prospect of having to have a cesarean if something had gone wrong. And I don't know why. I think it's just my own anxiety around being cut open, essentially. Mm. Um, so I think I was just nervous about whether whether I could do it, whether I could get through it. I don't know why. But I was excited, mm. but I, I did have that anxiety for sure. Yeah. So it was your mum, was Dan 
planning to be there as well was was that your team basically plus the midwife yep Yep. so I had um so Ben was my birthing partner and my mum was there which I was very lucky to have because actually we probably should have only had one person because it was covid okay um but but Ben was so busy doing all the water stuff that really it was me and my mum together oh and and she's been there before and I went was she able to remember like how to coach you through it or was she what was her role like in practice um my mum's very like practical and uh so she was very much assisting me with the gas and air and and I was sort of getting her to help me with the breathing and stuff Mm. so um and also like getting me food and snacks and making sure I was hydrated which was hilarious because I'd I'm a big fan of making sure I'm, I'm eating regularly, but my mum and Ben <laughs> didn't eat very much and both were exhausted. And I kept saying, can you eat something? Can you eat something? But I think it's a common thing, isn't it? The birthing partners don't look after themselves because they're too busy looking after you. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So your, um, how much of your um, labor was that in the water? Was that doing what it needed to do as you'd hoped it would? Yeah, so I got in the water about, so I remember on the Wednesday morning, I was in the garden basically screaming because I was in quite a lot of pain at this point. And they, we rang the midwife again and they spoke to me and then they heard my voice and realised I was kind of getting to those later stages where they were ready to come mm-hmm. around. So they said, right, we're coming round, get the birthing pool out now. So I think I got in the birthing pool about half past nine in the morning And yeah, it felt lovely. It felt really nice. It felt so lovely. And I think I was in there till about four o'clock. So I basically spent the whole day in the pool. Yeah. Amazing. And that's, is that after the TENS machine? You said there was a TENS machine. Yeah, the TENS machine was like that earlier on. Yeah, that was like on the Monday, Tuesday, I was using that. And then, and then it was gas and air. Yeah. As the midwife came over, it was very much gas and air. Yeah, in the water at the same time. In the water, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, Um, and did they measure your dilation? Had you got any idea of how far along you were when the midwife got there? So, yes, I'm sure she did did have a check when she came around. I think it might have been like five centimetres or something maybe. Um, this is I feel this is testament to how much you were going with the flow that you don't remember because <laughs> I don't really remember that oh I don't know yeah so I just I was literally just in the pool one of the things that was really helpful was my best friend's mum's a midwife and she'd spoke to mm. me a few months before and she told me how to take the gas and air which sounds silly but she kind of explained to to take it in a deep breath as your contraction comes okay and that was actually really useful and I'm sure the midwives would have helped me with that anyway but um I do remember one contraction where I was like no I'm fine I don't need the gas and air for this one and then it was so bad and I remember reaching for the gas and air but obviously it was too late to help that contraction so I very much valued the gas and air it was lovely mm, that's yeah that's interesting because it, it can be a very um I've heard women talk about it as like a very out of body experience. Would you say that was true for you or? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. You've just made me remember (laughs) when the contractions did start to get quite bad. I remember shouting at my husband and saying, we're never having sex ever again. We're never having another baby. (laughs) This is so painful. So I remember being a little bit like, almost like you're drunk, like a little bit outrageous with my comments. So, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> I had forgotten that until you asked me that. It is a weird experience. And Ben actually had some too. He was like, Can I can I have some please? It's like, yeah, that's fine. Midwife didn't mind. <laughs> oh. Um, all right. And so how did it progress then? Was there a point when you felt like the pool wasn't cutting it anymore? Or what were what happened next? So the next bit is a little bit of a blur. And that is probably the slightly more challenging bit. So I definitely needed to go to the toilet. And when I say toilet, I mean to the number two. So I remember going to the toilet and I remember saying, Ben, you can't do this with me. Mum's got to do this with me because I didn't want him to see me go for a poo, which is quite funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so weird. So I remember, I remember that happening. And then I wanted to get back in the pool, but I think the midwives wanted to check me. So they did. And I think I was like nine or 
something around those numbers at that stage. Um, and I wanted to get back in the pool, but things just went a little bit strange then. And I started trying to, I think I was a bit confused about whether I was going into that last stage where you push or not. Right. And the midwives then saw a little bit of meconium, which is the baby's poo on a white sheet. And they were then a little bit concerned. Um, right. So they called an ambulance. Okay. So I then, consequently, I was in that last stage and I was starting to need to push. The ba- like baby was very much close to coming out. Uh-huh. The ambulance had arrived and I didn't really know what was going on. I only know that kind of afterwards. I didn't really understand why the ambulance was there, what had happened. I, I was a bit confused about whether I should be pushing or whether I should still be like breathing through the contractions at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I found out there was an ambulance outside, I was a little bit scared for yeah. what was going on. And I was like, Ben, what's happening? What's happening? He didn't know either. So okay. that this was like the trauma, traumatic part for me. Um, I got up somehow and I walked outside with no clothes on to the ambulance. My mum was like chasing after me with a dressing gown and I just wow. got in the ambulance because no one was making a decision. Okay. Um, no one. I what, couldn't do you remember what the midwives were saying to you about, about the ambulance now looking back? Um, no, I think they were communicating with Ben, but I don't think the I think the communication was a little bit confused. Uh-huh. And I just remember, I, what I remember is saying to my mum, well, I don't know why the ambulance is here, but if there's a risk to the baby, then I, I just, I need to make a decision. And I, that's when I stood up and I just went to the ambulance. And unfortunately, no one could come with me because it was COVID. So it was me oh, in the ambulance wow. and the most lovely, lovely ambulance team like this young boy who was in training and I was I was in that last stage of labor like the head was coming out yeah in the ambulance so we got blue lighted it was <gasps> the weirdest journey the so most uncomfortable dramatic. journey it was it was really dramatic and I'm trying not to make it sound too dramatic but it was <laughs> I can remember it so vividly I was squeezing this poor midwife's hand who was able to travel with me okay but, good. but the funniest thing was and I didn't know this happened until after is um everyone was outside seeing me off in the ambulance and all of a sudden the front door slammed shut because, and Ben was like we're all locked out the house no so basically it was all the midwives my mum and Ben all out the front of the house and the front door just slammed and I do not know how, but for some reason, Ben's keys were in his pocket. I don't know how. Oh, okay. So that panic was averted. Yeah. But he said that he was so, like, not with it. So he then had to get in yeah. the car and drive and follow, obviously not follow, but get to the hospital as quick as possible. And he tells me a funny story about how he looked at the parking sign and was trying to figure out how to park for what felt like 10 minutes. And then he was like, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to leave it. I don't care if I get a fine. I'm just running in. So... Yeah, he. I remember being transferred through all the hospital corridors and seeing all the people, and it was very strange. And then getting thrown into the delivery room. And what I remember really vividly is seeing the face of this lovely midwife with glasses. She was had a lovely smile, and I just remember her sort of looking at me and saying, "Like I don't know, hi, is it Jenny?" and I'm I'm here to help you. It's, it's, you're going to be fine. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, you have been sent here to help me. Like you've been sent from heaven. Like I was so grateful. She seemed such a lovely person and she was such an excellent midwife. I had the best care in the hospital. I was mm. so grateful. And um, all of the, there was, it was a bit scary because at one point they were said, they were thinking about the episiotomy, which again, I wasn't too worried about, but I was, I remember hearing it. And at this point, Ben had just arrived very exhausted. I remember thinking, no, I'm doing this. Like it's happening. I can do it. So she arrived within 20 minutes of us being in the hospital, which was quite something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So had you been, had you been pushing in the ambulance or was the I, were they kind of advising you to to try and not do that if you could 
I tried not to. They didn't, I don't remember them advising me. They might have done, but I remember just trying to breathe. But I, it was the early stages of feeling like I needed to push in the ambulance for sure. It was a very early stage of that. Okay. Um, but as soon as I got in the hospital, I was pushing. Okay. And so you had your lovely midwife with the glasses who was with you. Was she coaching you through the pushing or were you doing it quite instinctively? No, it's really hard to remember. So Ben was definitely next to me. I actually had a trainee. So they asked me, do you mind a trainee midwife delivering your baby? And I was like, mm-hmm. absolutely. I love anything like that. I think it's so lovely and to help new people come through is so important. So I felt like I had extra care because I had an extra pair of hands. Um, mm, that's a I really like lovely doctor, way to look at it. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like the doctor was quite active as well. Um, in trying to make the right decision on what to do I think I was being co- I th- I'm sure someone was telling me when to push yeah I'm pretty sure they were it's really hard to remember but um, you you said you were on your back is that right did you have your legs in so, stirrups or were you sitting upright mm-hmm. I don't even remember so at first I was on Big my blur. side and it felt really nicely yeah absolute blur I was on my side at first because I'd been on my side in the ambulance and I just they just transferred me. And uh-huh. I remember them saying, no, we need to put you on your back because it's not kind of happening. And in hindsight, I think I probably should have maybe turned into onto all fours or tried something else, but I was very high on gas and air. I must have had so much adrenaline from the ambulance experience. Yeah. I just did what I was told. It was very classic, yeah, legs... I don't know if my legs are in stirrups. I literally can't remember that. I'm going to have to ask Ben that. I don't know. <laughs> it might have yeah. been. It did feel like a very stereotypical, like what you see on a hospital telly program. Yeah. And you say so you were determined at this point to just get your baby out and you managed it by the sounds of it. Yes. Weirdly, I remember my friend telling me that when she had one of her children and she didn't tear, it kind of went like it nearly came out, then it went back in, then it nearly came out, and it, like the head kept going in and out, in and out about three or four times before it came out fully. And that's mm-hmm. what was happening. And um, I remember Ben telling me after, he was like, you, I saw the head, then it went again. And uh, well, it sounds a bit freaky, doesn't it? But um, I think I must have had that in the back of my mind and I kind of knew, yeah. knew it was, do- I knew it was doable. I felt confident at that point that I could do it. And I think hearing like in the blur of the, stuff going on here in the consultant say we might have to cut her if it doesn't come out in the next one or the next couple I was like no I can do this it gave me a bit of motivation which I don't know how but it did Mm. and how is your baby doing when she arrived oh my goodness so this is funny because she came out it felt like this slithery snake coming out of me it was a very strange experience I don't I it's the best way I can describe it and yeah. they put her on me straight away do you think it's, it is isn't it it's like yeah, a, yeah. It was, I've never heard it before like said like that but you're totally right <laughs> <laughs> it was so strange so so strange um and they put they gave her to me and they said what have you got and I said oh it's a boy because I saw the umbilical cord and I thought it was a willy because, I mean, I was high on so much gas and air at this stage. They were like, no, guess again. I was like, oh, my goodness, it's a girl. And I was so happy Aww. because I just I felt like it was a girl the whole way through. And, yeah, it was just magic. It was so magical. I was so happy. Mm. Um, it was, yeah, they put a little yellow hat on her head and had a cuddle. And that was that. It was just wonderful yeah she was she seemed pretty happy and healthy Mm. and you I mean you did have quite a kind of dramatic and maybe it's not the right word but like yeah it's that you've been through a lot in the in a very short concentrated space of time just before that moment but did you feel like it you were able to just relax into those special first moments despite all of that I think so. I'm definitely not one of those people that will complain and moan and sort of criticise. And I just felt like, yes, I was disappointed we went at home. I was disappointed that my mum had been there for that whole journey, yet she was stuck at home and couldn't be with us Mm. for that last moment. And there was little things that I guess I was disappointed in because I, I do 
100% believe I could have given birth to her at home and we would have been fine and there wouldn't have, there wasn't any major risks but at that moment I may I have to own that decision that I made and, and feel happy that I made that decision and I got the most wonderful care and even the ambulance lady came back to see after she'd been born she was like I just wanted to check everything was okay and that was so nice so I just think we were able to enjoy those magic moments and they actually left Mabel on me for ages because I kind of was worried about them just taking her off me and wanting to weigh her and wanting to do this and check her and I was like I was worried about that because you hear these things, but they were so amazing. They just let me mm. have her for ages. They didn't want to take her from me. Like, yeah, that was nice. I feel like Ben was a bit nervous about holding her to start with, which was quite funny. I was like, can you take, do you want to yeah. take her? He was like, no, I'm okay. I was like, what? Come on. <laughs> but yeah, that was quite funny. I always think it's really funny how, like, in the very first moment when you get given your baby, no one really seems to be worrying about like whether you're holding the neck or all these things. But then in every other scenario with a newborn, people are so careful with newborn babies. But in that very first bit, it just feels like everyone's just kind of like throwing it around. <laughs> yeah, that is so true, isn't it? That is so that is really true. Um, but so okay, so you had a lovely skin to skin moment. Did you want to breastfeed or did you have a plan about feeding? Yes, absolutely wanted to breastfeed. It was really important to me. Um, And I had loads of problems, actually. But I did breastfeed Mabel for two and a half years. I've just just stopped recently. Um, But I had such such challenges. Thank you. It was, I feel like I was making up for the start being so bloody awful. It's Mm. so interesting because I didn't, I literally thought, breastfeeding would be easy I'd be really good at it we have no issues at all and I had the complete opposite so um I had the five day weigh-in for her and I had to go on my own because of COVID uh-huh. and she'd lost 13% of her body weight and when I look back okay. at the pictures now she literally looks like a skeleton because she was quite small when she was mm. born and I feel so guilty and I was so oh traumatized and I cried so much at the appointment I came home and I had like a breakdown because I was like how have I I thought I'd been feeding her for five days and she had not been taking any milk and I had mastitis as well which is where you get blocked up and an infection in your boobs so basically my poor child didn't have their first poo for like a week and didn't get any milk for five days basically I mean who was supporting you up until that five-day point were you just working it out instinctively so I stayed at hospital the first night because I had to um I guess because she was born late and they wanted I think because of the meconium they'd found they wanted to do 20 12 hours of checks mm-hmm. um and they were checking that she was feeding before I left hospital and she must have fed something and I had some colostrum that I'd harvested before which was quite fun um mm-hmm. so she had had stuff and then I did have my health checks, but I don't know, just, uh, it was me and my mum and, and Ben at home. We thought everything was fine and it wasn't. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to know what to pinpoint yeah. exactly what, what it was. Yeah. And I think that weigh-in appointment is a very emotionally charged moment in the best of times, probably. Like, can you speak about kind of what that meant so t- I think for her and for you? Yeah, I think 10% is okay. Anything more than they send you straight to hospital. However, because of COVID, they sent us home, but we have a really strict feeding plan. And they visited or contacted us every day, which was great. And I, from that point on, and I had someone to help me come around and help me with breastfeeding positions, because that's what I struggled with. So I, just to be, just to help, hopefully, I had uh, an inverted nipple. I had, Mabel had tongue tie. Um, which didn't get treated because it was on the cusp in the end. We did have an appointment, but it was on the cusp. So it was kind of up, up to us. But again, that really helped her, made it hard for her to latch, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So there was a few reasons, I think, is as to why the breastfeeding was difficult. And I just struggled with getting yeah. in the right positions and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, we, yeah. Sh- we should have gone to hospital, but we didn't. We did like bottle top ups, but it was all with my milk. So she's actually never had anything but my milk. But it was just lots of top ups oh, wow. that Ben Ben got to do for a, for a week or two that she had top ups, which was really nice. 
Um, but yeah, it was it was tough. So were you you'd feed her yourself and then you'd pump extra, yeah. would you? I had loads of supply, okay. like so much milk. I used to, I bought, I had. I was going to say you must have done. I had, yeah, I don't know why. I, I used to drink quite a lot of water because it was a summer, I don't know, but I had these cups that I put into my bra and it collected the water from mm-hmm. the other boob when water, the milk from the other boob when you were feeding on the other boob. And um, yeah, we used to just use that most of the time and a bit, bit of pumping here and there. But I, I have never been a big fan of pumping just because, I don't know, mm. for me, I just don't really enjoy it. Oh, my goodness. That is an amazing, amazing story and journey, though, to get to two and a half years after a difficult start. Yeah. And even so the first five days were hard. But the first I found the first two months or three months hard when it came to breastfeeding because my nipples were so unreal. The soreness was unreal. And I nearly gave up. Mm-hmm. I nearly gave up multiple times. Um, and I'm really glad that I didn't. But I remember Ben looking at me going, just give up. Just let's just do just just do something. Mm. Like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> what do you put it down to, like the overall success of your breastfeeding journey? Do you think it was just like the sheer importance to you that meant that you were determined? Um, I'd done quite a lot of reading on on breastfeeding. My mum breastfed me and my brother, and I think for me that was something that I wanted to do as well. I feel like I probably was so determined after having such a tricky start as well. Um, and I think because I made the decision about my work to change my work situation, I was like, well, a lot of people around me were stopping at a year with breastfeeding. It was very much stop at a year because I'm going back to work. And absolutely, like, that's totally fine if that's what people are doing. But I felt like, well, I've changed my work set up so I can be there for my daughter. So I haven't got boundaries like that to live by. So for me, I've just kept going and going until we sort of naturally stopped. We sort of encouraged it a little bit. But, but yeah, just I just love it. I honestly loved breastfeeding so much. It was the most joyful thing. Mm. Oh, good for you. Um, That's a really, that's a really inspirational outcome, I think. I mean, not to say that if people don't succeed, that it's not inspirational, but um, it sounds like, yeah, it did require a lot of um, determination to get through it. Yeah. And it's funny when I remember when my friends had their kids and they were like, oh, we've got a night away because we've got to go to a wedding and I, I don't want to leave my child. And I remember thinking, really, just one night? And having now had a child, I can absolutely see that. <laughs> Me and Ben have done one night away for our wedding night from her and maybe one mm-hmm. other night away in like two years or two and a half years. And I totally understand that yeah. kind of just desire to be with your child all the time because I've definitely got that. So, yeah, I've, I apologise to my friends. <laughs> And I want to ask actually how, I mean, what makes two and a half years, what made that feel like the right time to stop? Was it led by your daughter or yourself? Or, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot emotionally going on there as well. If I'm honest, my husband wanted to have me back a little bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously that is important because I've got to consider how he feels. Um, I also booked a holiday with my friend, which haven't gone on yet, but for the end of May, and that's three nights which is a long time that's the longest I've ever left my daughter for and I my husband doesn't didn't want to be left <laughs> like that weekend with the first weekend with no boobs yeah. so yeah that was something we were sort of aiming for and I've had the odd situation where she's just not fed so I got down to just doing morning feeds probably in the last six months or so and that's been really nice. And then there'd been the odd morning where she just had forgotten about boobs existing and she'd got excited about something else or we'd been staying at someone else's house. And that had happened mm-hmm. recently. And me and Ben talked about it. And we were like, right, this has happened before. And then the next day she's gone back to wanting milk. And it is a bit annoying because I must be susceptible to mastitis now because I, I do get quite lumps. I feel like I've had mastitis like three times mm-hmm. through that journey at least. And we basically oh, plied her with hot chocolate. So basically we had a plan. The next morning she's going straight downstairs because she associated our bed with boobs. 
So the association was she wakes up, she comes into our bedroom, lays in bed with me and has has boobs. So we basically cut that association, took her downstairs, put the telly on, put Bluey on and made her a hot chocolate. And that was her thing. It worked. Amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it's a good thing to, to replicate, but it did work. <laughs> not to say she yeah. didn't ask me because she's she said, Mummy, I have boobies though. And I'm like, I know you do, darling, but you've got bigger now and you didn't have it at Nanny's yesterday because we'd stayed somewhere else when she didn't want it. So I had to, yeah. I had, unfortunately, I had to talk to her about it because she understands and that's hard. Yeah. It did break my heart, but. I'm really glad that I have stopped because it's really beautiful having the relationship with her that I do without the boobs involved now. Yeah. Because it does. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good thing. And her and Ben's relationship is just beautiful. And yeah. Yeah. It's been lovely to see. Mm. Yeah. There'll be lots of knock on effects from it, I guess. And do you, have you, is it too early to feel like there's been a shift in you, your relationship to your body since you've stopped? Um, I don't feel much different, really, if I'm honest. Mm. It's funny. Like- I guess it's different. Doing long breastfeeding like that is probably very different. You've already gone through a lot of that transition probably by that point anyway, if you're down to just one morning. Exactly. Week. And I feel like a lot of people say their bodies change loads after having a baby and their boobs go saggy and all those things. But I don't, I haven't necessarily experienced that. I feel like my body is a bit different, but not massively. And I feel like my boobs are probably slightly different, but again, not massively. But yeah, mm. I just try not to think about it too much and just be happy with what you've got. <laughs> yeah, excellent, excellent advice. Well, um, what does the future have in store for you? So you've got your business and you've got your mother-in-law or mother that comes to help you out with that every week yeah your mum yeah um but yeah what what do the next few years look like well hopefully we would like to grow our family so ideally having a Mabel cannot stop talking about having a sibling at the moment which is really interesting I don't know where it's come from but she really wants to have a sister um we'll see so yeah, that's something that's really important to us. And Ben, my husband's just had a career change. So he was in the financial services industry and now he's a photographer. So he's going through this Wonderful. new career experience. And yeah, just more of the yeah. same. We're also um, investing in property. So for us, we're trying to build a life where we've got a passive income. We both work part-time, which is what I do and I have done since I've had Mabel, and we've just got a really happy, happy life doing the things we love. That's kind of our, that's our biggest goal, as it were. Mm, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, a couple of quick fire ones to finish up with. Um, what was your biggest pregnancy craving, if you had one? Um, oh, that's a really good question. I would say, like, um, sushi, like smoked salmon raw tuna oh yeah I can absolutely relate to that are you allowed to have smoked salmon because I think the guidelines on that are a bit different or have changed recently I don't think okay don't quote me on that (laughs) yeah no I was gonna say I almost regret going down that rabbit hole because I remember looking into it and it's just uh um it's just it changes all the time easy yeah my friends were saying oh yeah. you could you could have that when I was pregnant and now you can't and same with my mum so it's like well who knows any products you couldn't have done without or resources yeah the I think it's called lanolin nipple cream the purple tube I was in such pain mm. and I bought that and it, it definitely did it went some way to helping for sure and it's not okay. it's not a product, but the other thing that was really good for sore nipples was actual breast milk. Um, mm-hmm. Like your own breast milk was rubbing it around your nipple after you finished a feed was was really good for that as well. Mm, good tip. Um, and then last one, like if you could go back now to thirty year old you when you were doing the egg freezing, oh. what would you say? 
I don't know because I'd want to I'd like to say don't bother doing it you don't need to but I do think that it gave me that peace of mind that it didn't matter that I could go out there and try and meet people and just see what happens and go with the flow so I'd probably just give her a big hug and say you're doing the right thing just trust in the process amazing well, thank you for <laughs> thank you for sharing all of that, and yeah, I I'd quite like to give her a hug as well. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and I really hope that Mabel gets her sister or brother, or <laughs> you know, <laughs> she probably she probably won't get to decide the gender, but yeah, I hope no. that it all works out for for you all. Thank you so much, Katie. That's it for this episode. Take care and see you next time.